Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the United District Podcast. I'm delighted to say that I'm joined by Ed Ahrens, Deputy News Editor for The Guardian Sport. Ed, welcome to the podcast. Hi there, how are you? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Uh, th- thank you for coming on. I'm aware that it's, uh, it's a very busy time for, for everyone really, for you know everyone involved in football especially. You know, the transfer window is in full flow now. Um, so yeah, th- thank you for coming on. Really appreciate you taking some time out of your day to do so. Which leads me quite well into our first question actually. How has this transfer window been as, as, as a journalist? Has it been different? Has it been any different from other windows in that you know the, the, the window time has changed and we're obviously we're living in very different times now where there's, there's more factors considered into deals. So how's this window been for you? Yeah, it's been quite a, uh, an odd one, really, just because uh, you know everything's happening a lot later than than it was uh, before. So mm. you know, and, and and it's been quite concentrated as well into a few weeks. And I think you're seeing it at the moment. You know, like there's a lot of stuff being confirmed just yeah. because it's, you know uh, it, the season's just around the corner now. So a lot of clubs are looking to do that as, as quickly as possible. So you know. I think we might it might calm down a little bit actually when you know once the season starts because we've got till October for a lot of the later deals to be to be done. So yeah, it's very very odd. But I think it's kind of you know obviously just been everything's been moved back a few months by obviously the COVID um, problems and um, and delays to to the, to the live games. Mm. Well, just going to ask you a general question quickly before we move into some more sort of United focused stuff. So far, obviously, there's not obviously quite a long time left in the window. Closes on. October the is it October the second I believe is it, is, am I right in saying that it's early October anyway seventh I think yeah 7th, and then, okay. well, then then you can still sign players from within the UK for another week I think it is I have to double check that but something like that yeah right okay so it's, this is quite a hard one to be fair but which club do you think that that, that stands out so far business wise with the best business so far this summer I wouldn't say it's hard at all I mean until I don't know if it's best business but the most standout like you know. We'll have to wait and see whether it's good business or not. But mm. Chelsea is the obvious one, isn't it? I mean, yeah. spent so much money. Five, uh, six players have come in more than two hundred million. Uh, well, sorry, not Havertz hasn't been confirmed yet, but I'm sure will will be pretty soon. Mm. So you know, it's a really uh, mouth uh, eye watering. The the phrases have got eye watering yeah. amount of uh, money that they spent on players, and it's. Um, yeah, I, I'm not sure how much more there is to come, but I think there might be some more to come as well. So. Mm. Moving on to United, obviously, you know, you're a bit of an outsider in that you're not, you know, we've had quite a few people on this podcast that are, you know, intrinsically connected to United, whether that be as a fan or, or specifically reporting on United. Obviously, you've got a bit more of a sort of out, outside perspective on that. How do you see Manchester United under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer in, in terms of playing style and and transfers? How do you sort of see that, that project and do you think it, it's looking up for United at the moment? Yeah, I have to say I've, I've, been, I've been impressed by him. Uh, I, I didn't think that he would, you know, last this long certainly I didn't think that he would really do much that you know made I thought he was kind of just a that, that he was kind of a, a panic almost from the board because he did so well obviously when he was caretaker but you mm. have to give him a lot of credit for the way that he's kind of managed to uh, you know get the team playing really well I know I know they fell short in three semi-finals last last year which was obviously not not great but to, to get into that position was good now I think he knows he's got to build on that and uh it's a really crucial, you know, summer close season transfer period for 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 United. I think because the the foundation is is starting to be there. I think there's some really good players at the club now, but to go to the next level, I think is it's um, going to take a few additions. Mm. And the first of those additions this summer, 
Donny van der Beek is obviously the, the first deal that we've that we've properly done. I know the Agalo loan extension I think counted as a deal for this summer, but um, you know Donny van der Beek the first permanent signing. What what are the details for that signing? Because as United fans, I think we were quite surprised in it, perhaps the speed that it was done. Obviously, we were perhaps aware that you know scouting and and stuff was going on behind the scenes for months before. But how, how did that deal happen? Is is it did it happen very quickly, or is is this something that has been sort of been negotiated over over a, a long period of time? Well, I think in in the end it was quite quick because United were you know kind of determined to start getting some players in, having you know obviously well documented problems with with Jaden Sancho. Yeah, and um, there's been a lot of interest from a lot of clubs in him, but with you know Real Madrid were pretty much nailed on signing before the COVID crisis, um, and then United have you know stolen the march in a way. I think that he's a very good player. It's just. I'm, my concern with that is where is where is he going to play with uh, Fernandez and, and Pogba mm. and him I, and you know it's good to have options but in terms of a starting eleven I'm not sure where he will fit in there but I'm sure that they've got a plan for him so uh, and he's he's an excellent player as well so and it's a decent price as well for somebody who's you know one of one of the the key players from that IX team that got to the semi final of the Champions League and was so good and he's very versatile as well apparently he's been playing quite a lot deeper this season mm. by X. so that that might bode well for United perhaps he could be the, the sort of fulcrum of midfield that they that they kind of need that that might be the thinking and if it is that would be a top class three wouldn't it to, to compete mm. with people uh, I'm just not sure whether he's got that you know he's, he's experienced enough there to do it as yet we'll see no, I think you echo there the, the, the most of the positive things that, that us United fans are sort of thinking, as well as the scepticism about, you know, where will he play? But I think we're so used to, you know, a, a lack of squad depth last season. I think it was so, so blatant, you know, Pereira and Lingard, you know, those two depth options in midfield. I think it's a nice headache for us to have, to be honest, just to get him through the door, as you say, a good, a good fee uh, for him. So, yeah, it's, it's a positive positive thing, I think, with, with Van der Beek. So, yeah, I think you're spot on with, with what you've said there. Moving on to a name that you did just slightly allude to. I knew, uh, well, I think you know that his name was going to be mentioned on this podcast. Jaden Sancho, obviously the name that hangs over Manchester United. There's always a name, it seems, each summer. There seems to be a saga, and, and this year it's this one. Um Last month, you, you know, the Guardian with you, yourself, Jamie Jackson, Fabrizio Romano involved, it said that personal terms were already agreed. However, there's other sources now saying that, you know, the, the agent the agent fees and the, and the wages are actually a bit, of a, a bit of a sticking point. What do you think about this whole, you know, this sort of, I don't want to say battle, but this sort of, you know, differing opinions on, on the problem with this transfer? Well, I mean, everybody's got their own sources, haven't they? And that's the first thing to say in terms of journalism. But, you know, I think uh, it's and, and and with a transfer like this, it's always going to be very complicated. I think, you know, the idea that it was going to get done really quickly was there were there were signs that it could do at the start of the summer. Mm. You know, sorry, the start of the transfer window, when we had the stories uh, and and it looked like it was about to get done. But obviously, you know, the amount of money we're talking about and the 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 situation that we're in at the moment may, makes things complicated. And uh, so we're going to have to just wait and see. But you know, I understand that there's still some dialogue going on and you know whether it's official or not but you know there's still a lot of interest uh, for, from United's side and and I, and then I believe Sancho still would like to come to United but whether it happens this year or not we'll have to see because you know time is kind of running out a little bit I mean I'll say that but you know we've got to as we said we've got to it so October but for a player like that I'm sure that you know United would, would, would have wanted to have him already you know for the pre-season but unfortunately that's just not to be and they may have to just be a bit more patient. Mm. You talk there about, you know, perhaps 
next year or, or, or another window being you know the time when we go and get Sancho is that a suggestion that perhaps an alternative this window wouldn't be targeted I'm not sure to be honest but I think you know they have in, in terms of the team it's not the, the most important position I think maybe everybody sort of agrees in that but it would make them formidable to have you know talking about options in midfield to have you know Rashford Marshall uh, Greenwood and, and Sancho would just be formidable options but just have three of them still really good but you know it's not exactly where they want to be they want to have some options so perhaps it's, it's, it's one they could live without with just for another summer if, if, if it came to it but obviously there is quite a big determination to try and get him this summer so especially Solskjaer I think he's quite he's very keen to because you know thinking about the United fans of a certain age I've, I've said this before on another podcast but you know when United won the Champions League in 99 there was mm. four players competing for two positions yeah. so you know having that squad depth you know with with uh, Andy Cole Dwight York Teddy Sheringham and Solskjaer himself so and and you and you saw the effect of that when they in the Champions League final against Bayern Munich when they brought um Solskjaer and Sheringham on and they and they scored the they scored the two goals that, yeah, that won yeah. the Champions League so I think that's where he's he wants United to head to in that kind of direction so they've got lots of players in different positions all pushing each other to start as well uh, and that's really where you need to be I think at the, at the highest level you need to have that kind of I mean Liverpool, people would say Liverpool may be the exception there because they've done it with pretty much the usual starting 11 but you know that's quite rare these days especially with the amount of games that they play mm. No I completely agree I think it's something that as United fans has frustrated us as well in, in past windows. Obviously, just across the city, we've got Manchester City making you know a, a, a massive amount of depth signings. You know, Pep Guardiola signing you know three fullbacks in a window and, and things like that. So you know, it's, it's nice for us to to be able to finally add s- some depth to our squad. And that's why yeah, the Van der Beek deal bodes well, and as does the Sancho one. Because if you sign a player for your starting eleven, you know someone gets pushed to the bench, and and then you obviously add quality there throughout the squad. Moving on to another position that, that we've apparently been targeting centre back. What's the situation with that? You know, there's been mentions of, of Deo Upamecano. You know, those seem to be quickly shut down. Do you think United are targeting a, a centre back this window? Yeah, def- they're definitely interested in the centre back. Um, I think that's not really any secret. They, you know, there was some interest in Gabriel who went to Arsenal and Upamecano as well. And uh, there's a few good centre backs on the market this summer. Obviously, Kulabali would be the sort of the golden. One, I suppose, mm. but I think he's he's going to be too far out of there, out of the price range. Uh, with with City kind of sniffing around him as well, looking at sort of seventy million, and I think I'm not sure whether you know that they, they want to go for him or not. So I think that you know that he has been linked to United in the past as well, hasn't he? But um, yeah. I think it's more of a young a younger player is kind of fits the the bill for for what they want in terms of centre back, someone with a bit of pace. Mm. But yeah, it's 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 going to be. Again, time is running out for that, and I think that's that's probably the area that most United fans would say is most important to strengthen. I don't know, you know, from yeah. from some of the issues that there were last season. I think you know, definitely need some some support in that area. Behind Jaden Sancho, do you think centre back is perhaps the most likely position to, to, for a signing to be made? Yeah, I would have thought so. Yeah, just given that that is that you know now now they have a midfielder, which I I thought would have been a priority as well, a midfielder. Um, not necessarily Van der Beek, someone like Van der Beek, though. That's why you know I was a bit surprised by that. But you know, I knew that there was a lot of interest in him. Mm. But yeah, I think a defender is is sort of kind of top of the uh, agenda. Yeah, 
I know what you mean with that midfield sort of thing there. I, to be, I, I, to be honest, I thought the Declan Rice links would have improved, were like increased with sort of Nemanja Matic's legs starting to starting to perhaps decline. You know, we, we all love Nemanja Matic. I think he's had a really good season, but in the next couple of seasons, if 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 his legs are going to go, then we do need that replacement. And yeah, I know what you mean in that sense that Van der Beek obviously isn't that player. A lot more. Yeah, he, yeah but I think Rice would have Rice would have been really expensive. Mm. And I think you know a lot of people see him as a defender actually in the long term rather than a midfielder, but. Um, yeah, I think Van der Beek is kind of, if, if he's going to play in that role, it's, it's, it, it could be really interesting to see, like, you know, because it'd be quite an expansive style of football if you had somebody like that. I mean, he's more, I think he's more adept at getting into the box and scoring goals, but has has the ability to, you know, control the play as well. And, and Fernandez does as well. He can play a bit deeper too. Yeah. So, you know, it's three, actually, all three of them are very versatile, aren't they? Because Pogba can play in quite a few positions as well. Mm. So it's uh, you know it's it could be sort of a very very exciting midfield actually those three together mm. with I mean, McTominay you know with energy to throw in as well yeah and Fred always in the background as well I Fred, think. who's who's improved a lot hasn't he in, 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 since in the last year or so yeah for, yeah uh, for certain yeah yeah so for, yeah Fred's had a great season with regards to another midfield it's been you know this is a bit of a strange link to be honest no one I think saw it coming he seems to be Liverpool bound Thiago Alcantara. Seems to be some interest from United's side. Have you heard anything regarding that? No, I haven't actually, to be honest. I think, I mean, just because he's on the market, everybody knows he's on the market. I'm sure that there's always going to be interest from, I'm sure that everybody's had a look because he's an amazing player. So, but um, I think it's just a matter of somebody paying the money actually because Bayern have kind of are willing to let him go by the, by the sounds of it. But I think that, you know, the Liverpool links aren't going away and that's kind of. Yeah, we'll have to see on that. It might be one of those ones that done that gets uh, that gets done really late. Yeah, I think I, I it, it does seem like a strange one to be honest. Obviously, I, I'd be absolutely buzzing to get him at Manchester United. You know, everyone knows his qualities. He's a top top centre midfielder on his day. Um, but yeah, he's a bit he's a bit he's not as I say. You know, he's not the Matic uh, profile. We've already got you know as you say all those other options in midfield. So it'd be great to bring him in just to get him through the door. But yeah, how he'd fit in, etc. I'm, I'm not really sure. But yeah. We'll have to see what happens with that one. I'd be gutted if Liverpool got him, to be honest, because he doesn't. I'm not, I'm not sure he really suits Liverpool's style. I, I know it might be a little bit controversial, but I think you know he's not the legs of Genie Vinealdum or the sort of you know or Jordan Henderson, etc. He's a bit more pragmatic, isn't he? I'd say, but yeah, we'll have to. Yeah, see what... it's an interesting. It is an interesting one. I, I think yeah, there's a lot of links with Vinealdum going to Barcelona, mm. um, so that might be why he's think, they're thinking of that as well. Yeah, uh, perhaps. But it's also really interesting relation to Kaita because I know that the, uh, the you know Liverpool are quite keen to give him more of a, a role next season. But um, you know that could be if Thiago comes in, he's going to have a lot more competition. Yeah, well, it's, it's terrible, isn't it? It's, it's hearing Liverpool strengthen, you know, they've obviously been quite quiet in the market so far. But Thiago, I think, sort of. Does you know it's a massive improvement for them, so we'll have to we'll have to see what happens with that. Another Spaniard that's been linked to United, Sergio Reguilón on the left back, the Real Madrid left back, obviously been on loan away at Sevilla. You know, the Manchester Evening News have said he's being monitored. Is that is that true? Have United got an interest in in strengthening the left back position? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah that he he's a top player. You know, obviously in the um, the Europa League was was superb. So um, yeah, I think that 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 is an area of the team they're looking to strengthen as well. But it's just whether they have the money to do that this summer, probably not. <clears throat> it's all very difficult to, to, you know, make too many more transfers. I think they, they've got to kind of concentrate on targets and kind of try and go for them now, really. Mm. 
as United fans, um, you know, we all sit back and we say, you know, the Glazers, you know, this is the biggest club in the world. We should be spending, you know, you look at the figures, the the the, the turnover, etc., and say we should, you know, we should. Why is there a limit on our budget for the window? You know, a lot of United fans are asking those sort of questions. What would you say? What would you say to those? Would you point towards the, the coronavirus actually having a massive impact on that? Yeah, I think so, and that's what the club have been saying as well. You know, like that, that is the market has been affected by it. But I think the, the the thing with Chelsea is quite interesting because it's putting pressure on other clubs, isn't it, I think, to, mm. to act. You know, especially those, you know, Chelsea United very level last season, you know, um, in the league and, and looking to try and take the next step um, to challenge the top two. And if you compare the two, then, you know, the pressure is on. But then you've got to remember with Chelsea that they've had a transfer ban, so they're kind of making up for lost times. Yeah. Um, at the moment, so you know you've got to balance it up with that. But yeah, it's it's a a lot of teams making some moves, and I think you know. Sorry, the other thing about Chelsea to say is that they kind of you know they're setting their prices. The amount they're paying for players is setting the tone for the transfer market. You know, because there are clubs out there willing to spend, and that means that the other clubs you know have to fall into line with that. It's, you know, the market value of of players is is kind of being set by Chelsea in a way. Mm. So, it's interesting and, and you know United you know so United's fee for Sancho doesn't you know it looks like a fair fee to the, what Dortmund are holding out for for example with with Havertz fee looking around sort of 90 million it seems like that, that's probably fair enough what um what Dortmund are holding out for yeah it's a good comparison to make to be fair isn't it you know two Bundesliga clubs selling their t- their top assets to be honest to, to the Premier League so yeah that's no, a it's a good point to make isn't it you know Dortmund have got every right to hold out for the fee that, that, that they want and if that is the sticking point then yeah we'll have to see whether or not United decide in the end to pay for it I think you know as United fans we sort of have come to expect these long sagas and then in the end we end up just paying the money I think that's perhaps the frustration do you think that could be the case where this runs all the way to the end and then we end up perhaps you know you know in inverted commas panicking and pulling the pulling the trigger well, possibly, but just because, it, like you say, it has happened a few times, I think there might be a bit of a determination from United to not <laughs> to not yeah. have that happen this time. You know, like to dig their heels in and say, no, we're not, we're not just going to do what you say kind of thing because it, it doesn't help them in future negotiations, I think, either. So, yeah, it might be that, you know, one one side has to soften a little bit or they come up with a clever deal which, you know, defers the payment or something like that, you know, or, or structures it in a different way. So, um, but you know, you're right. The, the United do have the money to pay for to pay for players like this, but they they are obviously wary of just paying exactly what everyone wants because it makes it makes it tough for them in, in future deals. Mm. Yeah, it's a knock on effect, really, isn't it? As you, you sort of alluded to there. Um, moving on to you know Harry Maguire. You know, it's a very interesting situation at the minute. He's facing a retrial. It's you know United adamant to stand by their player. What's your opinion on Harry Maguire and specifically his captaincy? Should that be should that be held on? And do you, do you think this whole debacle is going to affect his his game? Well, about the captaincy, I think we've just got to he you know he's got to keep it at the moment because he's you know appealing, and so we have to wait and see what happens with that. And I think until that is resolved, then um, he would argue that. You know he, he deserves to keep it, so mm. I think he will. And they, you know, they're, they're going to have a chat about it this week, supposedly. And I think he's going to he's going to keep it. But yeah, in terms of affecting his performances, I like hopefully not because he's you know normally a model pro. But um, something like that is bound to have an effect on you. I think you know it's 
bound to have an effect. Um, but he's a strong person, I'm sure, and you know, hopefully he will try and get back to leading by example. He has done pretty well at United so far. Mm. On the pitch, anyway. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. But yeah, well, uh, you know, in terms of off the pitch, it, you know, we don't know exactly what happens, so you have to reserve judgment, I think, a little bit until the full facts emerge. Yeah, I completely agree with you there. I've said that quite a few times on, on Twitter. You know, we, we it's hard for us to hold an opinion really on it, isn't it? Really, you know, we we don't know what happens. You know, there's different stories. You you have no right to believe one side or the other to most of it. So it is, yeah, a very tough thing to to come around. And we'll see um see with the retrial, obviously, what happens there, and then if United decide to make a different decision based on that. Just going back onto transfers, we've heard a lot about sort of incomings as we always do. You know, you know, players being linked left, right, and centre to United. What about outgoings? Because so far, you know, we haven't seen much movement on that. Chris Smalling looks as if he might be off to Roma now. That deal, a little bit closer to being done. Uh, you know, reportedly, is is there any other players that we can expect to le- expect to see leaving Manchester United this summer? Yeah, I think there's a few that are likely to to go. I mean, uh, there's there's some interest uh, in in Dallo from Everton mm. from early window. That, yeah. that, we'll have to see whether that comes comes through or not. But um, yeah, there's a few others. I mean, Lingard's been linked with the move away, hasn't he? Potentially. Mm. Um, and Pereira. Yep. So we'll have to see on on those ones. But yeah, there's a, there's a, there are a few players there that you you probably think have had their time now, and it's be time to move on because it's a really it's quite a big squad now. I think there's not that much space. Uh, yeah, so they need to make a make a, a bit of space. They're going to sign anyone, anybody else, really. Mm. And do you think you know the, the departure of, of Chris Morning to Roma, which, as I say, you know, looks closer and closer? Do you think once that happens, United will perhaps step up their bid to to, to get another centre half just to get the numbers back there again? Or well, obviously, you know, Smalling was loaned out last season, but do you think for the for the squad, do you think we'll step up those efforts to get a centre half in? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and apparently, yeah, uh, so I heard last night that Smalling is pretty close. It's not as much as uh, that the, they thought they might get for it, though. Apparently, for him, apparently, it's more sort of about fourteen million, I think. Mm. So it's not very much for him, but you know, if it's the right, the right move. I'm not sure how long has he got left in his contract. It's a year or so, so it's probably best for all parties. Yeah, um, but yeah, I think yeah, I think that could be the trigger for them trying to get another centre back in. Yeah, we'll have to see that in the next coming days if that happens. Just moving on to another general question. Um, we asked this of your colleague Jamie Jackson quite a while ago. Of his sort of favourite moments working in journalism and foot, we gave us some some brilliant answers. So I'm going to ask you the same question, Ed. What what are your sort of favourite moments since you've sort of worked in the business? Oh, right, that's a good I'll put, question. I put you um, on the spot. Yeah. No, it's fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's quite. Yeah, uh, I have to say, I have a lot of uh, interest in African football. Right. So I've, I've written a book um, about uh, the history of African players in English football, mm. uh, which came out earlier this year. And just one of my, a lot of my stories would come from that kind of covering that part of the game. So one of them would be um, in the 2010 World Cup. Uh, I was I was there for Uruguay v Ghana. Mm. You know, the famous game when uh, Luis Suarez handballed it on the on the line <laughs> and everything. So yeah, that was that was a particular memory, and he ran out uh, afterwards. Um, you know, in the in the mix zone after the game, he ran out like with his hand like shouting in Spanish, "I have the hand of God! I have the hand of God!" And then running back like so, he really wasn't like you know uh, trying to you know say, <laughs> say sorry or anything <laughs> like that. He was just sort of reveling in the fact that he you know cheated his way to the semi final, but. That's that's not a best memory, but I always always remember that. Yeah. 
that moment. It was a really sad moment because um, you know the whole the whole state, whole of Africa, really was was cheering for Ghana, and uh, it was so close, but so far, yeah, um, yeah. Otherwise, I'm trying to think about any other ones. <laughs> um, there's some some great moments, you know, from being in those different Premier League grounds that you always really feel really lucky, privileged to be there as a journalist because you know people pay good money to go to go to go in and I you know yeah. get to watch free so like yeah just really especially during the lockdown we all felt very privileged to be able to to go and watch matches yeah fair enough we also asked of your colleague Jamie he had some good stories about in press conferences managers getting a little bit heated he told us about Guardiola you know asking him to look at him he told us about you know Mourinho the, the three the three times rant that, that Jamie was on the right. end of have you got any any memories in in that sense of, of managers yeah, getting heated I, I have one I always remember do you remember um, when Mourinho uh, shouted at the at the physio uh, oh yes yeah, yeah. so after that uh, after that I was at that game and I, you know, watched that incident really closely. And after that game, sort of asked him, you know, what was what was going on there. And I just remember how his reaction to that was was just he was like almost like crazy. His eyes were sort of bloodshot and stuff. And then I don't know what was we didn't really know what was going on at the time, but I think it was all to do with his his dad had just died the day before. Right. And I think that might have been the reason that he was so like up that day because you know it was quite an unusual rant for him to to do and it was like obviously very unfair on the on the physio and the doctor who eventually resigned over it so yeah um I've, most of my stuff is down in london though so you know i go to lots see lots of like you know i used to go and, go and see arsene wenger for many years and mm. you know have the honor of being able to like ask him questions and stuff and he did that's a good thing about wenger is always listen to your question and, and answer it properly whereas you know some managers aren't, aren't like that um, but he was always a pleasure to, to work with and a real honour again. Yeah, interesting, interesting to hear. Just moving back on to Jose, you know, it's the talk of the town at the minute, isn't it really? This new Spurs documentary that's come out. Um, mm. only the th- we've only seen the three episodes. I don't know if you've seen more than that uh, with your position, but, um, you know, very interesting. What, what do you think of that series and, and Jose Mourinho getting to see him sort of working behind the scenes? Yeah, it's very interesting, isn't it? It's good, good to see. I've only, I've only actually watched like the first one so far, so I haven't seen that much of Jose. You know, with Pochettino and he left and everything. Mm. It's interesting. I mean, to be honest though, with to be honest with you, I, I don't, I love documentaries of all kinds. Of, you know, not just football, but all, of all kinds. And I've watched many over the years. And I have to say, these modern ones that have, you know, the uh, the Amazon ones in particular are very much. You know, you're right. There's a bit of insight in, into it, and you see them what they're saying to each other a little bit behind the scenes but they're not you know they're very they're, they're kind of they're quite massaged aren't they and you know mm. they don't see the real they see you feel like you don't really see the real things that are going on behind the scenes just what they want you to see which is you know it's good in a way but it doesn't hold my interest as much as something like you know if you've ever seen the uh the graham taylor documentary from when he was england manager mm. uh from back in the 90s something like that it's just really you know like walks and all kind of access um yeah in terms of that and you know the, the man city one was was very similar it was very sort of you know almost propaganda if you like but yeah. um, so i will watch it i will watch the rest of it but um and yeah I, and Mourinho is fascinating whatever you know whatever club he's at mm. um and we'll see how it goes it's kind of in the bet everyone you know everyone's kind of intrigued to see how it's going to end up i think with Mourinho and spurs because they're signs of both ways really you know it could go 
could go well or it could go badly. Uh, but I think you know they're quite up against it this season, given what everybody else is doing. Yeah, go back onto documentaries. That, I haven't seen the Graham Taylor one that, that you're alluding to, but um, the Neil Warnock one. I think everyone's sort of aware of when he was at Sheffield United. You know, yeah. produced some golden moments that one. But um, yeah, things like that. it's called uh, the Impossible Job, the Graham Taylor one. I'm not sure okay. if it's it's been on TV pretty recently, but it's from quite a long time back, and uh, you know, in 1993, I think. But. Mm-mm. And there's a few others around the, you know, um, football ones that have, that have been that have been really good. Um, so, yeah, and it's worth watching. It's always good. It's obviously the Sunderland Till I Die one was the best one of, that I can think of of late. So mm. uh, it's on Netflix. Yeah, um, but it's good. You know, it's good to see football getting this, this kind of treatment anyway, even if it's some somewhat, you know, sanitised. Yeah. Um, well, one of the favourite documentaries I was just going to say quickly that, that I've watched recently is I don't, you've probably seen it the Asif Kapadia Maradona film yeah. I found that just absolutely phenomenal I think that was such a good documentary yeah I mean, he makes he makes brilliant films if you've seen the Amy yeah yeah, yeah. it's just fantastic and and Senna I think he made as well didn't he yeah yeah. I think. Um, but unfortunately he's a Liverpool fan so you know oh is he oh. <laughs> he is yeah big Liverpool fan as a shame. So, but maybe not mention that <laughs> Ed, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. It's been great talking to you. I don't know if you've got any last words for the listeners before you depart. Uh, thanks very much. Yeah, and as I said, my, my book's called uh, Made in Africa, the history of um, African players in English football. And there are there is a bit of Man United, a bit of Quinton Fortune. Mm. It, uh, but um, yeah, it's about lots of different players from uh, down down the years. Um, but thank you very much for the time. No, thank you. I'll have to. I'll have to give that a read as well. It's, it sounds extremely interesting. I have to get my hands on that and, and get back to you with, with some feedback on it. It's been a pleasure. Nice time, Thanks, Ed. Cheers. Take care.